Thank you for having your daughter and had your granddaughter. <laughs> Amen. Two weeks ago, I had a sermon ready, and it was about staying awake. And the bulletin had people in a pew falling asleep, and my father-in-law went to heaven, and I was out of town, and Mitch stepped in, and the bulletin cover had sleeping people for Mitch's sermon. And I apologize to Mitch about that. And now today, on the front of your bulletin, I had a really good sermon about lost sheep, but I can't do that one today. We're going to look at that another time. So I've got two ahead. But after the events of this week, there are things on your mind, aren't there? After shooting in Louisiana, Minnesota, and the events in Dallas, we wonder what's going on. We think about those things. Not ten miles from here, somebody took a shot at a policeman in Roswell. They missed. That happened earlier this week. And so I, I had to change. Parts of what we're going to talk about are things we've already talked about. However, I, I thought that today they were more timely than ever. Let's pray together. Lord, we need you. Not just those in this room, but this world. Father, we grow up in a church and we sing red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in sight. We believe it. And well, the world needs that simple truth that Christians learn as children. Father, we ask that your spirits would touch a world that needs touch. And Father, that you would protect those that protect. And Father, that you would change things that need to be changed. We need your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, the question that I begin with and it comes to mind, who is the enemy? Who's the enemy? And sadly to say, to some it's, it's a person of another color. To some it's another belief system. There are some white people that hate some black people, and some black people that hate some white people. And we see that, and there's some whites and some blacks that hate policemen, and we've seen that. And after the shootings in Dallas, my mind went to my dear friend David Hagens, who grew up in this church and across the street. Mitch's brother uh, was a policeman who was shot in the line of duty in December the 14th, 1980. David was 22 years old. And he grew up as a Christian and he didn't have any enemies. He liked to drive fast. Is maybe the only bad thing I can say about David Hagen. We all felt that's why he wanted to be a policeman. David Hagen, do you remember that? He liked to drive fast. He could throw a football further than anybody that I knew. He often wore a blue nylon jacket. He had sideburns, mutton chop sideburns, I think, when he was 12. I remember that. He had a kind heart. And I will see him in heaven one day. And I thought about David this week. 
Back to the question, who is the enemy? David's enemy, your enemy, my enemy, the enemy in Dallas, the enemy in Minnesota, the enemy in Louisiana. Who's the enemy? 1 Peter 5, 8 sheds some light there. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's our enemy, the devil. And I blame these events on the enemy, Satan. He has roared and prowled a lot lately. Satan turns and twists and finally gets individuals to believe that they're in the right if they hate and they kill and they control. And with the enemy, false religions and are invented and delusional disciples are born. The world has been deceived. They have the spirit of deception. And if you're a Christian, you have the spirit of truth. Those phrases seem to describe our situation very precisely, don't they? Some of the spirit of deception and some of the spirit of truth. The phrases are 2,000 years old. Look at 1 John chapter 4. I think it's so timely for our world situation today. To Christian people, you belong to God, my dear children. You've already won a victory over those people, those that don't, the world. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Don't forget that. Those people belong to the world. And so they speak from the world's viewpoint. And the world listens to them. But we belong to God. And those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. This is how we know if someone has, and there are those phrases, the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. We, as Christians, follow the spirit of truth. And the world follows the spirit of deception. Satan likes to steal the truth and twist it. It seems to me for everything that God has made, Satan has tried to make a counterfeit copy. God offers this, Satan offers this. And it's a counterfeit copy of what God has given. Let's look at an example found in Revelation chapter 11. Verses 3 through 10. You'll read this and it will remind you of something that God did. God says, I will grant my two witnesses authority to prophesy for 1,260 days wearing sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord on the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. Anyone who wants to harm them must be killed in this manner. They have authority to shut the sky so that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have authority over the waters to turn them into blood, to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. When they finish their testimony, 
The beast that comes up from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city that is prophetically called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, members of the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And the inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and celebrate and exchange presents because these two prophets have been tormented to the inhabitants of the earth. These events described in Revelation 11 take place during the seven-year period yet to come known as the Great Tribulation. I myself believe that the church or Christian people will be spared this time on earth, will be gone by rapture, others don't believe that, but it is pivotal to our point today. During this seven-year period, lots of people will turn to Christ. People that were of the world will come to Christ when they see all the things happening. Chapter 7 talks about 144,000 witnesses from the 12 tribes of Israel that will witness to the world during those difficult days. But the two witnesses in chapter 11 are God's special messengers to invite the lost, the left behind, if you will, to a right relationship with God. So the world's very evil in this final stage of judgment, and God's still offering salvation to those who will accept Him. But what caught my eye was verse 10. And the inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them the death of the two witnesses. The earth is this evil, no gloat. And celebrate and exchange presents because these two prophets have been tormented of the inhabitants of the earth. That reminds you of anything? Exchanging presents at a time? I think of the wise men that brought gifts for Christ's birth. And now when the witnesses are killed, they're bringing the world's exchanging presents. It, it seems like a devil's counterfeit Christmas to me. And so when I saw that, my, my mind started turning about, well, things that the devil has hijacked the things he's made a counterfeit on. In Revelation chapter 13, you can go home and read this. We see a counterfeit resurrection and counterfeit signs and miracles. These events are yet to come. But we've been warned a long time ago. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us this. Dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And how we'd be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say today the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. Even if they have claimed to have had a special vision, uh, spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say. For that they will not come until there's a great rebellion against God. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God in every object of worship. He'll even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what I was holding him, what is holding him back. For he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly and will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then a man of lawlessness will be revealed. But the Lord Jesus will fill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. The man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit powers and signs and miracles. That's his 
modus operandi, that's what he'll do. And he'll use every kind of evil, and there's the word, deception. Every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. And so for just about everything God offers us, Satan offers a cheap and a dangerous copy of deception, the spirit of deception. I thought of some examples from the world that I've observed. John 10.10 about us says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus came so that we can have life and have it abundantly. As God intends abundant life, a life filled with his blessings, and God offers that for us, Satan offers false joy and happiness through stuff. The counterfeit for abundant eternal life is a life distracted by stuff and temporary pleasure, putting all into your baskets in this world. You see the, the bumper sticker, he who dies with the most stuff wins. Maybe someone should come up with a sticker that says he who dies with the most stuff is still dead. <laughs> Jesus was well aware of this battle. Look what he said about that, about people that are deceived by stuff in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust consumes, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So you'll either have a, a, a treasure of deception or a treasure of truth. Matthew 16 says largely the same, beginning in verse 24. Jesus told his disciples, if any of you want to become my followers, deny themselves. Take up their cross, follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? What will they give in return for their life? So God offers his abundant life, eternal life. And Satan offers a copy, just enjoy it now. God has given us love. And Satan has given us copies of love called lust. Jeannie and I have been married today. Today is an anniversary of ours. I don't know if she's aware of it. Uh, today we've been married 12,111 days, but she doesn't keep count. <laughs> and I've tried to love her as God defines love. What God created for his people, Satan has taken change. Given us a counterfeit copy of lust and tried to change love. God created music, and I love music. Music can soothe the soul and relax and draw us closer to God. But Satan has a hand in music, it seems, today. That's perverted and obscene. God created joy and peace for all of us that know him. Helen told the greatest story this morning. Her cousin Lloyd was buried on his birthday. And it was a celebration of his life. And you know what they did at the funeral? They said, happy birthday. And the note in the bulletin said he's celebrating his first birthday in heaven, right? I like that. The world wouldn't get it. They would not understand. But God created joy and peace no matter what we are going through. I see my mother-in-law cope in such a beautiful way with her husband. Of, I say 62, you say 63. Well, I know it's 12,111 days.
two years. Um, I saw my mother-in-law deal with this. And she's been lifted up by the Holy Spirit of God and by love of friends and family and certainly by prayer. And it's been amazing to watch her strength in the last 15 days since Irwin passed. It's been just miraculous. But Satan wants us to cope by other measures. Let's meditate ourselves or let's go drink something and forget. I remember being at a wedding reception in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We were at a big reception center that had multiple receptions going on, and we were at a dry reception, and the one next to us was a wet reception, if you understand what I mean. I was out in the common area, and I remember a young man from the other reception looking at ours and saying, you just can't have a good time without alcohol. Satan's counterfeit to joy and celebration has caused untold devastation to our world. God invented prayer. And Satan wants us to worry. I suppose the list is endless. Every few years, and, and back to Satan counterfeiting and hijacking what God has done. Every few years, the United States government comes out with a new dollar bill. You ever got one and you thought, what, what is it? It looks, it looks fake when you're used to one and they change it and they give you another one and it just doesn't look real. And so that's happened a lot in our lifetime. They come out with a new one. And they're constantly updating their security method because they're trying to stay ahead of counterfeiters and forgers. And do you know how bank tellers are able to identify counterfeit money? The best way, according to the FBI, and the only way to train tellers to identify counterfeits is to make them familiar with the real thing. The best way to spot a counterfeit is to be familiar with the real thing. <coughs> Don't you think that applies to our world situation today? If you see something that is being hijacked and taken away, you'll understand to step back because you're familiar with the real Pray today that our world gets to know the real thing. I remember a police drama several years ago. I think it was Hill Street Blues. That's a long time ago. And the policemen would have their meeting at the beginning of their shift where they would discuss the hours ahead. And at the end of the meeting, the man in charge would always close with, you be careful out there. I will tell you the same thing. You be careful out because there is the spirit of truth, which you should be very familiar with. And there's a spirit of deception that is deceiving good people and changing our world. 1 John 4, 4 to 6, we'll go back there and close with this. It makes so much sense in the light of what's going on. But you belong to God, my dear children. You've already won a victory over those people. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint. The world listens to them. But we belong to God. And those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That's how we know if someone has a spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. We will follow the spirit of truth. Be careful. Let's pray for